Praise the Lord, church. It's good to be here at CAC. Uh, I'm Josiah. I just want to say thank you to the show strands for inviting us. It's a tremendous blessing to be here. And we've come with expectation, and we've all, we can tell that you guys have an atmosphere of expectation here as well. So God's going to do something awesome in this place. But Mariah, if you want to come on up, this is my amazing sister. Praise the Lord. I am so happy to be here. I've never done anything like this before, so it's my first time. But I'm so happy to be here. There is nothing like his presence, and I know his presence just swept through this room, and I know Micah can continue and go forward with that, and I'm just super happy to be here, and I'm so thankful that every single one of you came. I think it's been said, but praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen, amen. Um, I am Micah, like it's been said, number two of four, and I'm glad I went after Josiah so I could mention that I'm taller than him nevertheless. Um, but it is good to be here, and it cannot be overstated how thankful we are, how appreciative we are for the show's friends to invite us out here, to trust us with this pulpit, to trust us with this congregation. It is a tremendous blessing. Thank you very much. But without further ado, I'm going to be reading from Esther chapter 4, and starting at verse 13, and we'll read a few verses and it says, Then Mordecai commanded to answer Esther, Think not with thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. To summarize, I know it's just been a verse, but to summarize, there's a situation going on for the Israelites and for the Jewish people. See, they're about to get wiped out, about to get eliminated, wiped off the face of the earth as far as they're concerned. Uh, and it's by the king's commandment. Uh, but Esther Esther's the only one in position to actually do anything about it. She's living in the king's palace. She's the queen at the time because God granted favor, but now there's coming a time to step up. There's coming a time to go before the king and to ask and to see what will happen. At this point, she's already given the excuse of the, uh, the worries and the problems that it would violate a law and that if she went in and the king didn't, invite her in, she was at risk of penalty of death. But Mordecai tells her that don't think you'll get out of this. Don't think you'll escape from this. If you, verse 14, if you altogether hold your peace at this time, if you stay quiet, then there's going to be deliverance from another place that will deliver. But you and your father's house will be destroyed. And who knows whether you are come to the kingdom for such a time as this. This was Esther's time. It's been set up for, for years. She had been in long, long waiting, but this was the time that she was in position. It says, Then Esther bade them, or bade the messengers, to go back to Mordecai with this answer, Go, gather together all the Jews that are present at Shushan, and fast for ye for me. Neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. I also and my maidens will fast likewise, and so will I go unto the king, which is not according to the law. And if I perish... I perish. So Mordecai went his way and did according to all that Esther had commanded him. And then chapter 5, it says, Now it came to pass on the third day that Esther put on her royal apparel and stood in the inner court of the king's house over against the king's house. And the king sat upon his royal throne in the royal house over against the gate of the house. And it was so when the king saw Esther the queen standing in the court that she obtained favor in his sight. 
And the king held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand. So Esther drew near and touched the top of the scepter. Then said the king unto her, What wilt thou, Queen Esther? What do you desire? What is your request? And it shall be given to thee, even to the half of the kingdom. My title today for this night's sermon is In the Presence of the King. If you'd bow your heads with me. Lord, I pray that you would move in this place. Thank you, Lord, for what you've already done. Thank you, Lord, for your promise and for your word. I pray that you would anoint me to speak, to be a vessel, to be a donkey for you to speak through tonight. Jesus, I pray that you would touch every heart. Lord, that you would bind every spirit of darkness, every spirit of depression, every lying spirit and every doubt, Jesus, that you would move in with peace and with clarity. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. So Esther is in a bit of a situation. Like I mentioned before, the Jews are in trouble and they don't really have a source of deliverance. The, the commandments already been given by the king that at such and such a time, all, any and all people that would like to can rise up and destroy the people of God. And they can wipe them off the planet. They will suffer no legal consequence. In fact, they're almost endorsed to by context. But this commandment's already been given forth. The Jews and Mordecai and Esther have already wept. They have already wept, and I promise you they've already cried out at this point. They've already cried to God. They've already asked why. They've already asked how. They've already asked, why is it like this? Why is the situation come to this? Lord, I thought you had my back. Lord, I thought you could do it. And now the sentence has come. It's been given. It's already been said. It's been written and handed out and proclaimed across the whole kingdom that the people of God are going to be made into nothing. And so they've wept and they've cried. But it was at this point then Esther hears word that Mordecai's been, he's been mourning and he's been weeping. And so she sends messengers. She sends messengers to find him and to get him and to get a hold of him and figure out what is wrong. I'm the queen. Surely there's something I can do to make it better. But Mordecai, Mordecai's answer is uh, not one that she was prepared to solve. And because it, it says that when she found out that she also wept and that there was great mourning and fasting and weeping and wailing. So... She was, she was also in a bit of a situation. But Mordecai also tells her this. He says, but it's a good thing you ask because there is something you can do. You can go before the king. You can step into the inner court and you've got an opportunity to intercede. You've got an opportunity to offer supplication for a people that would be destroyed, for a life that would be wiped out, for a, a nation that once was. You can intercede that they might be again. He says, you've got an opportunity to go before the king. But Esther's first response in verse 11 is that all the king's servants and all the people of the king's provinces do know that whosoever, whether man or woman, shall come unto the king unto the inner court, who is not called. There's one law of his to put him to death, except that the king hold out his golden scepter that he may live. But I've not been called to come in unto the king these 30 days. I haven't been in the presence of the king for 30 days. I don't even know if he wants me there. 
I don't really know if, if he would want me there. If I stepped in uninvited, he hasn't invited me in so long. So why would I go before the king now just to suffer the consequence of this law? And Mordecai's response says, of course, we've already read it, but he says, don't you worry. If you don't do something, deliverance will come from somewhere else. But you are called to go before the king. You're called to the kingdom for such a time as this. You've been placed in a particular church in a particular city for such a time as this. You've been called for such a late hour that there might be just a reason for you. And don't worry. If you're worried about the Jews, we'll be fine. God's got his people. It will be fine. But you're called. You've got a special, special opportunity not only do you know how, what God's going to do, but you have an opportunity to press into it. You have an opportunity to press into what God is doing, and he's doing in this late hour, whether or not we're a part of it. And it's a, it's a bad thing to not know what God's doing. It's a very, very worse thing to know what he's doing and not be a part of it. We know what the king is doing. We know what God is planning. He's moving and revival's breaking out all over the world. And we're seeing revival in the low places and in the high places. And there's not one spot where God's not going to move. But God has called you for such a time as this. God is wanting you to go before the king and to intercede and to ask to beg, to plead, to pray, to offer supplication, to do whatever it takes. You've got to go before the king. And Esther gets the mindset. Okay, I realize you're right. God's going to do it regardless. But I think I see my place in it. I think I see that it was no accident that I got here. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs that the heart of a king is in the hand of the Lord and whichever way he turns it, that's the way it's going to go. The heart of a king is in the hand of the Lord. And in Esther chapter 2, this is when they're finding the new queen, finding the next queen. It says in verse 15, when, the turn, when it was Esther's turn to go before the king, the, the keeper of the women, the person who was watching over them, Offered anything. You can take anything you want to go before the king. Whatever you need to impress him, to seduce him, to do whatever you've got to do. This is your moment. At least that's what the world was saying. They said, this, this is the time whether or not the king will accept you. This is the real question. This was the focus of the world. This, this was the, uh, the question they asked. Will the king accept you? Can you even go before the king and stay with him? But Esther, it says that she took nothing except what was already required. And then Esther obtained favor in the sight of all them that looked upon her. In verse 16, so Esther was taken unto the king and into his royal, uh, into his royal house in the tenth month, which is the month Tebeth, in the seventh year of his reign. And the king loved Esther. Above all the women, she obtained grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins so that he set the royal crown upon her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. says the king loved Esther. The Bible doesn't say the king thought she was beautiful. In fact, we see before with this previous queen that that's exactly what he thought of that queen. And he had called her before just because, oh, look, look how beautiful she was. And she's going to be shown off. 
But here it doesn't, doesn't say that about her. It says that the king loved her above everyone else. The king had a special heart for her. And so when the question comes up just a few chapters later of what will the king do if I go before him? He hasn't called me in for 30 days. I haven't felt his presence. I haven't seen his voice. I haven't, I haven't seen his face. I haven't heard his voice. I haven't, I haven't gotten revelation yet. I haven't felt it in so long. I don't even know if he wants me there. Esther had forgotten something very important. that The king loved her. Before anything else, the king loved her. The king desired more than anyone else to see Esther. To see the person that had been called, the person that had been chosen, the person who had already been given a crown. He desired more than anything to see her. And if, if you don't see the parallels quite yet that I'm making, God is very much in this same position as the king. If we look at his tabernacle plan, there was an outer court, an inner court, which was called the holy place, and then the holy of holies. And in the outer court, you couldn't really get too close. You could, it was in the area. You were in the house of God. You were in the palace of God. You knew the words. You knew the verses. You even knew when to say amen. There it is. <laughs> You knew it all. You had it down. You, you rehearsed the lines. But you were just on the outer court. Just waiting to see if the king will call me. Because if the king didn't call me, I'm, I'm happy to stay on the outer court. I'll stay here. I'll clap. I'll shout. I'll worship. I'll dance. I'll even say a prayer sometimes. Sometimes before bed. Sometimes if I wake up. Sometimes if the test tomorrow I forgot to study for. But we're on the outer court in this scenario. And the truth of the matter is that God wants us a little bit closer. So we step into the inner court. And we step in to where you can begin to see the things that God is doing. And you begin to know of His plans. And this time they couldn't go into the inner court. And it was under penalty of death. Because that was where you could see the king. You couldn't quite touch him. You weren't near him. But as protection from assassins, from would-bes, from anything else, you, that was the place you could see the king. So you couldn't really go in unless you were invited. And so the inner court was a place where you could begin to see the king. And you begin to know the king. And the inner court, we can, we can see God working in us in the same way. We can see just a little bit more of who he is. And we get a glimpse of his power. And we get a glimpse of his righteousness. We, we just get to see just a, a moment of who he really is. Of his holiness. But we're not close enough to the king yet. See, the next part was that you can't come to the king. Except the king extend the scepter to you. The Bible talks about how the scepter of his kingdom is the scepter of righteousness. Yeah, no shot coming before the king in any other way. No, we knew he was holy. We knew he was mighty. We knew he was righteous. We knew he was powerful. And he is all those things. He's more so than we even know. But we had no shot at coming before the king unless he extended the scepter towards us. Unless he paid a price for us. We had no shot in knowing that the king wanted to see us. And that we had no, no possibility of knowing that the king really loved us. And the king wanted to spend time with us. 
We had no way of knowing that the king was going to offer even up to half his kingdom. Whatever it takes, I want to bring it to you. Whatever you desire, just ask. Because you're in the presence of the king at this point. You've been invited in past the inner court, past the outer court, past the inner, past the congregation, past the pews, past the pulpit. The pulpit's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the presence of the king. And when you begin to get into the presence of the king, you begin to realize something else about him. And that's that his heart was towards you from the beginning. Esther didn't bring anything new. The first time or the second time, she could offer nothing that would get her into the presence of the king. Bring wealth? Uh, he's got it all. A thousand cattle, a thousand hills. Oh, don't you worry. He's, he's had enough. Oh, I brought some status. I brought some people you'd like to meet. He's seen them all. There's nothing you could bring. I, I've lived righteous. There's, I've, I've prayed a lot. I've, I've even fasted. I've read your word. I've, I've studied. I've gone to church faithfully. There was nothing Esther could bring before the king. It's true of us. There's no prayer we can pray. There's no fast we can take. There's no word we can read that can bring us into the presence of the King. Lest He invite us. There's, there's, no, there's no song you got to dance to. There's no special way about it. The truth of the matter is the king already loves you and the king has invited you in. You were called back then when he set the crown before you. You were called back then the very first time. You felt his presence then. Don't you think he's not done with you yet? Because God has called you and the calling of God is without repentance. It doesn't turn away. It doesn't corrupt. It doesn't change. But You've been called for such a time as this. You've been called to witness. You've been called to come before the king and to know his presence. And there's nothing quite like it. There's no substitute for it. There's no replacement. There's no, there's no, it's kind of good. Look, I, I got worship, so that's, that's good enough. Sometimes I feel goosebumps. There's no substitute in, I can sing. I can preach. I got the, all the good phrases. I know how to get apostolics riled up. So I just say oneness of God. And, I, and you, can, you can have some good things, but there's nothing like the presence of God. In Job, when he had all his questions, he desired much more. He desired to, really, he desired his kids back. Really, he desired his health back. He desired to have hope again and to have joy again. He desired to be comfortable again. And he's wondering where the provision and the protection of God went. Really, that's what Job wants. At least that's what he thinks he wants. And he's asking question after question. And he's desiring an answer. Says over and over, when I see him, I'm a, I got some questions lined up. Because I'm not really satisfied with how this is turning out. But when God appeared, God brought more questions. And he began to ask, were you there when I made the snow? Were you, were you there when I made the earth? Were you there when I called you into being? Were, were you there when I, I put you together and I began to put a plan and a purpose on your life? Were you there whenever I called you? Were you there whenever I gave you the identity? Because you've been called from your mother's womb. You were set apart from before you ever were. You were set apart because God knew you. And he loved you. He said, were you there? Do 
you know who I am? And God, God doesn't actually give an answer. He doesn't actually, in fact, it, it really draws the parallel quite strongly that if anything, he brought more questions. He didn't really help in that sense. But what's interesting is that his presence was enough. The question was still there, but it didn't seem to matter when you had the presence of God. The question and the, the lack of hope, it still felt so real, but, but something about it, it just didn't really matter. He was still surrounded. He was still failing. He was still falling. He was still beyond help. He was still beyond hope. But something about the presence of God. Something just touched his heart. Something called him in deeper and said, despite your doubts, despite your failings, despite how you've stumbled, despite how you've walked away, despite what you've done, despite your sin, despite all that you think you could earn in my presence, I'm here. Despite it all, he's here. And God is more than able, more than willing. And God has, God has this very specific call for this church. And that's to tell you that his, his love is not, not an angry love. It's not that he loves righteousness so much that he wants to make you righteous too. It's not that he loves all, and he does. It's not that he loves wisdom so much that he's got to teach you over and over. It's that he loves you. It's that he loves you. And he's after your heart. And his heart hurts when he sees his children walking away. His heart hurts. And it longs to be in the presence of his bride and of his church. He desires more than anything else to see you. And to be close to you. I, time and time again. I haven't called yet. I, I was called earlier. I was called, but God hasn't done anything. I think I messed it up. I was called. I did remember his presence. I remember feeling it. And I was so close to getting my breakthrough, but, but I fell back again. And I stumbled, and here I am again. And I thought that I had it. I, I thought I had it, and it was there in front of me. But, well... It's been so long. How can I go before the king now? How can I get into the presence of God? Knowing what I've done. Knowing where I should have been. Knowing what I should have done. Knowing so much. But forgetting something important. Your very identity is that you are his. You belong to someone. You are loved by someone. Someone who's much greater. Because he's seen it all. You haven't earned a bit of his love. You haven't been able to step in once on your own righteousness. You never earned his presence before. I've got news for you. It's the same way. His presence is laid out before us. It's an open invitation. And he wants and desires 
to spend time, more than time to walk with, to know, to love, to eat. Hester invites him out to the banquet. Says, I know what you said. I know you said I could ask of anything, but to be honest, I, I don't know yet. So I'll just, if, you, if you'll come visit me again. If you'll allow me in your presence again. And he does. And, and she says yet again, if you would come before me one more time. And it had to be at some point that Esther realized that she never said a thing before the king offered half his kingdom. She didn't begin to praise him. She didn't begin to worship. She didn't begin to bring something new. She never made an offering. She never appealed and said, since you love me, can I? No, it never, it never was that. From the very beginning, he said, come here. Anything you want, come here. I want to give to you something new. If you want the anointing, come here. You don't need to ask for much more. You don't need to earn my love. You don't need to earn it. I've already extended at Calvary. It was already enough back then. It was enough when I filled you. It was enough the first time. And I've got to go back to the first love. Because if he called me, he loves me. If you'll stand with me. I know I'm not long and I don't know how y'all do things here to be honest. But I do believe that the presence of God is here. And it's not here based on any spectacular thing we've done. We worship Him. We praise Him. We sing to Him and we come before Him because He loves us. Not to earn His love. It'd be, it'd be too backwards. It'd be too mismatched. But He loves us and He's called us and His presence is here at the altar. It's here and it's present to answer questions. It's present to answer prayers you haven't even begun to pray. It's present to call you back into the presence of God. It's present to call you in and you require nothing. To get into his presence, to know him more. If you would join me at the front, if you would come before his presence, it's open and he's open you called you beyond anything you've done you couldn't you couldn't pray it good enough so what what we do in the presence of God we just sit in his presence and begin to weep begin to love him begin to pour out your praise and pour out a love that, that's too honest for anything else it doesn't need King James English it doesn't need to be the right prayer it doesn't need to be well worded you don't even need to feel it other than to come into his presence and he's going to be there he's going to honor it he's going to touch your life again